0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We've got a great guest all the way from Danville, California. Welcome to the show, Gary Boomershine.
1: Uh, Victor, it's a pleasure to be here. And I've been a loyal follower of yours for some time and great to have an opportunity to talk to your guests and share some uh, insight into what I'm seeing in the market.
0: Well, Gary, thanks for being here. One of the things that we usually start the show with is just to give a little bit of your backstory. I know you've been at this quite a long time, starting as a broker, but today you're not brokering deals at least not directly. Why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point?
1: Yeah, I've been uh, grew up in a family real estate entrepreneurial family in the San Francisco Bay Area. My parents had a, we had a family brokerage called Boomershine Realtors in the Oakland, 10 minutes 20 minutes from San Francisco, and <clears throat> was a licensed agent three weeks after turning 18, I had my license for 18 years. We had a lot of rental properties. So very entrepreneurial, you know, family. Um, I also, I got a computer engineering degree and uh, worked Silicon Valley. So that was sort of my specialty. But I was really 2004, Victor, that my wife and I said, you know, let's get back into brick and mortar. And we started investing. And then it was in 2004 that I went full time. So I've been full-time real estate investing. Um, I'm currently in four markets. I took my technology background and launched a company uh, many years ago. We're the largest marketer in the real estate niche for more active uh, real estate business operators. I can talk a little bit about that, but it's called realestateinvestor.com. That is our company. We've done over 40 million pieces of direct mail and over a million outbound seller calls. So we've got a lot of people that are more active flippers, taking advantage of this current market cycle, right? (laughs) Where we are, way kind of, I call it the euphoric cycle of real estate, similar to 2007 and eight. We've got a lot of people that are anywhere from small companies to maybe 15 to 20 person real estate companies that are buying, fixing, and flipping. So more active I don't even call it an investor. It's more of a real estate business operator that are, they're buying and taking advantage of the market. And I service about 250 of those investors and agents doing a lot of their marketing and a lot of their kind of their extension of their marketing and their sales team. So it's been pretty cool. I've got a large team. I've got over 120 people working for me across multiple continents, large team in India, large team in the Philippines and, uh, so, I do that. I'm still very active on the real estate front. I do a lot of lending. You and I were speaking a little bit before the show, and I love lending. I do a lot of private lending because of the market, mostly first position notes and a very easy business model. Also, a nice hedge against a downturn, in my perspective.
0: I love that. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if you got realestateinvestor.com as a domain, you either got it very early on, or you paid more than ten bucks for it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, both. <laughs> I actually bought the company in the downturn of the real estate market. I was an investor in that company, and I I knew the original owner, and uh, he actually moved to Columbia. But I actually uh, I bought the company, and I I housed it. I didn't do anything with it until just a couple of years ago. We're actually about to make a fairly major. Press release announcement: uh, We're acquiring a couple of software companies in our real estate niche, and combining what we're really good as an agency, and then combining it with really best-of-breed software. So that's a a big play, and we'll be announcing that here in the coming weeks.
0: That's exciting. Yeah. Well, one of the things I thought would be useful to focus on: I know you you're involved in a variety of different transactions, but one of the perspectives that you have that I think is unique in the marketplace. Obviously, you're doing a large volume of business. There's an interplay with what the hedge funds have been doing. Certainly post-2008, there was a lot of hedge fund activity in the marketplace. A lot of that kicked up uh, post-Warren Buffett's famous comments of, you know, if he had the time and the money, well, he had the money. If he had the time and, and the management skill, he'd go buy a few hundred thousand single family homes. And then, lo and behold, Blackstone Group and a handful of others went and did exactly that. Uh, what's happening in that space right now, and how is that dynamic playing out now, ten years into the downturn?
1: Yeah, you know, it's very, very similar. Uh, you know, real estate has been a seven-year cycle for probably a hundred years. Um, we're kind of at the ten-year mark, so a lot of people have been asking, um, "Is this the new norm, or is this just an extended cycle?" I'm seeing a lot of uh, similarities, not not the same type of stuff that we saw in 2008. With the lending practices, but a lot of other components. So I call it the euphoric stage of real estate. One of the things I'm seeing a massive, massive amount of money, billions of dollars that are flowing into real estate, primarily in single family right now, in a movement that's called the iBuyer movement. iBuyer is uh, kind of a direct to the seller, almost squeezing out the realtor. We're seeing Open Door. I think Open Door raised over 800 million. And you got got OfferPad, Zillow's gotten in. In fact, Zillow's been making offers. Uh, and they're, They just came out with a press release that said that they're not even trying to make any money <laughs> on the real estate on the front end, which is interesting. We're servicing investors all over the country, and we have private Facebook groups. And so we're communicating constantly. I'm in a lot of masterminds with some seven- and eight-figure investors, and we're just seeing a massive amount of money coming in paying premiums for houses. And a lot of the agents uh, we're seeing as part of this movement, we're seeing a lot of the real estate brokerages that are realizing that the market is turning from them. And, and uh, in some cases, the, the whole agency real estate brokerage MLS is in for a change because now you can actually be a seller and you could go direct and get a direct offer, uh, an all cash offer bid for your house without holding open houses and without having to do all the fix ups and the back and forth and paying the large commissions. And so I'm seeing that, and we're actually playing right in that. Uh, We've got some of the largest real estate brokerages that are actually using our service as a way to compete in that space. That space is kind of going direct to the seller. So it's an off-market. How can you go direct to the seller and give them a fair offer for their house as is? Still going through title company and attorneys and all the standard stuff. Uh, that we would normally do, but not having to have the whole private club of the brokerage and the multiple listing service. So it's a pretty fascinating play. Personally, Victor, I I see changes coming. I think there's going to definitely be pressure in terms of just what's happened with the market. So I think at least I'm planning for more of a correction downturn. I love the linear markets, which are more the center part of the country. We see a lot of people are still buying buying smart, but there's just the pressure on the coastal areas of Florida and California and Phoenix. We're seeing Atlanta, Dallas, Denver. Those are all really, really impacted markets. We're seeing people in Denver. I've got investors that are literally buying houses and breaking even just to keep their construction teams busy. So they've got large teams and they'll literally break even on buying a property, fixing it and their profit is almost nothing just so that they can keep their teams employed and busy. And to me that's a that's not a a Warren Buffett, you know, buy low, sell high, don't lose investor money and follow the laws model. I see that as as a short term until we see the a correction that we're going to see some, you know, some people are going to get hurt that are actually doing that kind of model.
0: Absolutely. You know, the fundamentals have to reign supreme doesn't matter what time of day it is or where you are in the cycle. It's a lot of people paying too much for things where the numbers don't make sense. Uh, you know, I always counsel people not to lower their standards just because other people are willing to pay too much.
1: Yeah, that's right. I was actually at, uh, it was so cool. I was in Omaha. The number one um, team for Berkshire Hathaway is a friend of mine and also using realestateinvestor.com. I think they did 700 transactions last year, and they're also buying a lot of properties and I think four markets. But I went out there, spoke at one of their events, and then we all went to uh, the Warren Buffett uh, Berkshire Hathaway shareholder conference. It was fantastic. It was really great seeing Charlie Munger and Warren. Charlie, who's COO, basically really runs Berkshire, but he was 96, got on stage, and one of the questions that was asked, uh, his response was, the success model is KISS, keep it simple, stupid. And I love it, right? It's the real estate, nothing's new under the sun. It's a simple model. Follow the fundamentals. And when the fundamentals don't work, then pack your bags and either move to a different market or change your strategy. I follow Berkshire Hathaway and Warren religiously.
0: I love that. Now, this squeeze play that you're talking about, is that primarily in one-off transactions? Or are you seeing it apply to portfolio plays as well?
1: I'm not in, involved closely with the portfolio plays. So I've got a couple guys that deal a lot with like fortresses back in. We're seeing them, but I, so I'm, I'm not super knowledgeable in that space where we're at is, is primarily kind of the one-off transactions. So I'll have somebody that will m- maybe be in three or four markets and you know, they'll, they'll be looking to buy 10 to 20 houses a month as an example. And they'll come to us, and ask. And so we'll put together a plan of exactly, it's very predictive. We've done so much marketing. We know what the response rates are and how many sellers you need to interact with that should convert into a deal. And so we'll give them a marketing plan and we'll actually do it for them. And it's a, it's really an extension of their team for somebody that's doing it full time. The people that are just looking occasionally for a one-off property, that wouldn't be necessarily a fit for realestateinvestor.com.
0: So as a percentage of, let's say, an acquisition cost, if let's say the your benchmark house costs $100,000, how big of an investment in this front-end marketing does the investor, the one who's looking to buy, how much are they looking to invest in that in that system?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's market dependent. We're definitely, today, it's very different than what we saw two years ago. A lot more competition, the response rates are going to be lower, and what we're finding like the center part of the country is probably about fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars in marketing spend to produce enough sellers that are interested to make enough offers to get a property, and um, and if you're in California, it's probably closer to six or seven thousand dollars, possibly even more in marketing.
0: The price point's much higher too.
1: Absolutely. So we're typically the way most most of these operators look it's it's a return on investment so for every dollar i spend typical turn from the time a lead comes in to the type the time that it closes is about four months and some will be immediate some will be longer But typically we're sitting off of going direct to the seller it's about a four month cycle and uh takes about 45 leads typically to convert into a deal so by market how many of those leads you know, sellers that will raise their hands saying, yes, I have some interest in selling. How much money do you have to spend in order to, to do that? So our team will actually put all the planning together, will execute the marketing. And then I have a, a very, very skilled phone team that will have a professional dialogue with the seller, ask them questions, and then pass, you know, schedule an appointment for our client or our member to go out and see the property and inspect it and possibly make an offer to purchase.
0: So this is a fairly heavy lift, and it's something that in order to get that momentum going, there's a lot of there's a lot of inertia behind that in order to build up to that level of outreach, to put the systems in place. So this is not the sort of thing that two guys in a pickup truck are going to copy anytime soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of moving parts. Uh, we, we actually, there was a kind of a, a movement years ago called the done for you movement in, the, in our niche. And we were actually, the, the, we created the term. Um, you know, in order to, there's, there's a lot of work. So, and a lot of expertise that's needed. So we, we call it, there's lead generation and then there's the lead mining and lead refining, almost like a diamond mine. One of our clients said, that's the best analogy. If you're doing this, if you're selling diamonds and jewelry in a retail store, it didn't start there. The hard work, somebody had to go find the mine and go do the, the digging and then finding those small rocks, right? And then they had to do the cutting and the measuring and the refining and the shining and then ship it you know, to the jewelry store as a finished product. Well, there's a lot of moving parts to go direct to the seller. Now, a lot of these iBuyer companies like Open Door and Offerpad, they're, they're having to figure it out as well, but they have an army of resources and money behind them. And so there's a smaller niche of smaller companies that are competing in that same market. So that's really kind of where we've played. We have expertise. It actually started because when I started buying houses in 2004, I had my background and brought in a few of my technology resources from my, my Silicon Valley days. And they built a little algorithm for finding deals. And other people around the country actually said, hey, is there a way that I could use it in my market? That's how we started. Uh, years ago with all this.
0: I love that. And I like the mining analogy as well, because one of the visual images that comes from that, I mean, if you think about a gold mine, you're getting a couple of ounces of gold out of several tons or tens of tons of rock. Uh, so you've got all those tailings to deal with. And what do you do with them? The question is, is there anything residual of value left in the ta- in the tailings? Maybe you find some copper, maybe you find something else that's of value. Have you looked at that aspect?
1: You know, we have. It's, it's funny, just to digress, a lot of people come and say, gosh, Gary, I have a half a million dollars to invest, and would you recommend, and I want to buy single family, would you recommend using a service like yours? And I usually tell them, you could actually go to a turnkey provider, like Memphis Invest as an example, and there are turnkey providers that, that f- do all the stuff that we do, and they also do the property management, get a really good realtor, investor-friendly realtor that's finding these types of properties. and Because there is a lot of work. I always tell people, just speaking on stage at a live event convention that was going on in Mississippi, and I said, you know, Warren Buffett said a real estate investor is somebody that has money and they buy and they hold long-term. People that are actually doing this fixing and flipping, right, is more of a business operator, and all businesses require a CEO. So if you're a CEO and you're doing $10 an hour work, you're going to have a $10 bank account. So you need to think like a CEO, and you need to be doing the right money-making activities. And that's typically interacting and making offers to sellers and raising money, which is typically what they're doing, and finding more strategic deals and hiring better people. And, and so what we do is we're, we're the extension and we'll come in and say, hey, we're experts at this particular piece and we can do it for a fraction of the cost, uh, help you and allow you to compete like the bigger players that are knocking you out. Because we're seeing that a lot. We're seeing a lot of the companies that were successful three, four years ago that are now just getting clobbered because of the amount of money in the, the bigger seven and eight Nine-figure companies that are coming into these local markets. Atlanta is a perfect example. Got three or four people that have had great success over the years, and now they're getting getting completely knocked out. So, seven-figure, you know, million-dollar companies uh, that were a couple of years ago that are now struggling to actually even find properties because Open Door and Zillow and some of these other iBuyer buyer plays are in those markets. So kind of interesting, it's all cyclical, right? Real estate is cyclical. I just, that's why I love it. It's, you know, but you have to adjust with the time and those people that are adjusting are doing great and those that are not are getting squeezed out of the market. And we come, you and I both come from Silicon Valley. So it's just like, I just think that's the best, one of the best things about (laughs) our world is that you always have to sharpen, you know, sharpen the saw and uh, and change with the times. And if you don't do that, then, you become like Sears or Kmart, <laughs> a thing of the past for the most part.
0: Absolutely. If folks want to learn more, what's the best way to get in touch?
1: Yeah, you can go to realestateinvestor.com. We've uh, we put a lot of uh, of our content of what we do. And then if somebody's interested to find out more, they can uh, schedule a live uh, call with us. There's a thing that says, see if you qualify for our service. And then we just schedule a live call and see if there's a good fit. But a lot of content on there. Uh, I have my own podcast. It's called realestateinvestor.com huddle. So I love this niche. It's just been a been really great for me and I love to be able to share what I've learned and and help people that are that are like-minded. It's been it's been awesome.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Well, Gary, thank you for joining us today and definitely reach out to Gary at at realestateinvestor.com check out his podcast as well at Real Estate Investor Huddle. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.